Hey, hi everyone. Welcome to my show. Today I will be talking to three different entrepreneurs who each have been busy with starting up their business in Hong Kong in the past months or year. They are all three very different, different when it comes to phases of their business or the kind of products or services that they are offering, target market, and so on. What they do have in common is that they all started from scratch. With a new view on the needs of society where they are not originally from, they came up with a brand new idea and started to work on that. How admirable is that? I will be talking to Ruben de Bee, Madelon van de Ven and Camille Failona. I have many questions for each of them and of course also how they got the idea and what the challenges were that they are facing. As they are not local, they also have to deal with the fact that they are setting up a business in an environment they are not familiar with. So let's dive right in. Hey, hi Ruben. Welcome in the, in the show. And uh, yeah, you're actually here face to face. So uh, really nice uh, to have this kind of meetings with uh, people again. Um, Thanks for having me, Joy. Yeah, you're in Hong Kong. So that's yeah. why you're able to uh, come and visit me. So let's jump right in. Uh, tell us a bit more about your business. My business. Um, actually, I'm involved in two businesses at the moment. Um, I'll get started with the one that I'm actually uh, running myself. Uh, and the second one I'm doing with a, with a larger team I'm part of. Um, so I think about two years ago, I came up with the idea to um, launch an infused water brand. Um, having been to a hotel bar where I got served cucumber and mint water and I thought it was delicious. I was like, why can't I find this somewhere in a 7-Eleven? Um, I saw it in yoga studios, but nobody actually managed to bottle it. So um, I took the opportunity to, uh, to, uh, to experiment. Um, and it wasn't as easy as I thought in the, first, uh, in the first instance, because you have to keep it fresh. So after a journey of about two and a half years since inception, uh, I finally managed to make it more shelf stable and still keeping the same fresh taste. Um, so now I'm in the process of launching it, um, currently working with a manufacturer here in Hong Kong, um, hopefully getting it to market in the next uh, weeks to months. So that's the first business. Um, and then the second one is uh, as a consumer facing app. Unfortunately, I can't talk too much about the content of it, um, but it started about half a year ago. Um, and the reason that I got involved is because I had free time, first of all. Um, and second, because there was a very promising team of people um, with folks who had been in tech development here in Hong Kong for a long time, working with virtual banks, um, and just generally speaking, a pretty good vibe from the from the team. So I got involved, happy to work on the product side, uh, which is something that was relatively new for me, uh, but with some experience in the past. Okay, it's very exciting, especially when you're saying that your infused water is a matter of weeks and months to be uh, launched. So. Yes, I hope so. It's slightly dependent on the uh, uh, production partner, uh, which is also helping with distribution. Um, and so, yeah, it's slightly dependent on that. And this is also one of the key learning uh, uh, key learning points that I've come across over the last few months is the dependency as a small entrepreneur on some larger giants in the region that you sometimes have to lean on uh, and sometimes get dependent on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and yeah, uh, one of the flavors will be cucumber and mint. <laughs> what are the Great. other flavors? Um, right now, it would be lemon and ginger um, as the second one. Um, and the third one most likely will be passion fruit and watermelon. 
Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm curious now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, you uh, started your own uh, business, uh, which is very exciting. How come? Good question. I guess uh, ever since I was young, I always had like little trades, humble just as we say in Dutch. Um, even in high school, I was like um, coming in with uh, cookies from the supermarket, which was slightly cheaper than what was sold in the uh, in the school canteen just trying to make a buck out of it. Uh, never really grew anywhere, but it, it was fun. Um, I've done I've, and been involved in other small bus businesses, um, some drop shipping, you name it, like uh, more more e-commerce related over the past few years. Um, and so I figured it was time to just try something else uh, and work with an actual physical product as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's, because what you studied has nothing to do with it. Because no, you, you did, yeah, you did yeah. Chinese studies. So, but I you did Chinese studies, yeah. But you did feel like you attracted to the entrepreneurship, but yeah. the combination. But you still chose Chinese studies. Is that yeah. with, with this in mind, or no, not at all. No, okay. It was just an old fascination. I never actually thought it would bring me anything in terms of business. I don't think I was thinking that far away as an eighteen-year-old. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, or a 14 year old when I actually made that decision. Um, but in the end, it actually did turn out to be pretty beneficial. Like there is a huge market in China, uh, even though it's not just, you know, uh, 1.x billion unified consumers, you have to really be able to segment and target um, uh, your, your, your customers. I still think that there is a great opportunity there. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, you didn't, uh, you're still in the starting phase, actually, or in the first phase of uh, of the launch. But until now, I'm sure you already learned a lot from it. Hmm. What can you yeah. share with us? Um, well, a lot um, in terms of, um, so so the, the infused water business that I'm trying to set up myself, I was actually surprised at how much the, um, supply chain work was um, taking from me. I thought we it would all be very easy with Alibaba as like a channel where I could buy bottles um, with, um, you know, perhaps a, a local manufacturer that I, that would be really easy to find. Uh, but try, try finding these things yourself and you find out that it's actually very um, time consuming. Yeah. Uh, and also thinking about transportation. This is another thing, the logistics of actually getting products from point A to point B, um, this this is one of the things that I found out on uh, the infused water side that wasn't as easy as I expected at first. So that's a definitely a learning point. Um, also, I'm working here with an outsourced model. So I'm doing mo most of the work on, say, marketing and sales myself, whereas a lot of the uh, production, distribution, and um, also a lot of the design work has been outsourced to other people. and one of the key learning points there is that you know if you're starting small you really have to be involved with all parts of the business from the beginning you can't go tim ferris style like okay i'll just outsource everything because most of the time it ends in a failure yeah um so in that sense having another business where i work very closely with a team of six pretty driven people sometimes still involved in a full-time job uh but overall like really having the uh, uh also the frequency of weekly meetings, for instance. This is something, if you're an independent entrepreneur all, all alone, it's a type of discipline and um, yeah, frequency of thinking together about the next step 
that really helps to propel you forward. So that's yeah. that's been a good learning experience. Yeah. Well. Yeah. To to check with each other what the status yeah. is and uh, chat is uh, team fitting still going on. Yeah, but also of course because team is super important for various aspects. First, um, because everybody has specific pieces of knowledge. If you're building an app, uh, you need you need dev folks, but you also need somebody who's very familiar with how you can actually market an app, which is a completely different uh, yeah. ball game again. Um, and there's all the, the legal things, the, yep. um, financial things. Fundraising is a huge thing if you're doing uh, tech startups because they usually require quite a bit of funding and yep. dev work. And without, without money from external investors, it's hard to bootstrap all the way to a perfect product. Um, so having a team that has all these uh, specific functionalities is very important uh, and also in case you do want to get investment you need to have people with experience in their respective fields because otherwise the investor is not going to give you their money even angel investors what they they invest in is not the idea they're investing in a team um, so this is this is always a point of concern with young uh, founding teams with people who don't have that much much that much experience being uh, an entrepreneur uh, or who are new to their field so if you've never done marketing before it's kind of hard to sell yourself like okay i'm going to be the marketing person for this for this startup um so yeah these are all things that i've learned over the um last few months i guess yeah but it's also interesting because the two projects are completely different so i understand that infused water is more like a personal project and the app is yeah. with a team of people where the tasks are more divided between the the, the different partners yeah. So the whole funding and the attract, attraction of, of capital works different as well. So I can imagine with the team that it's, it's yeah very interesting to see how investors are reacting to it. Yeah. Uh, but still, it is still a startup, so it still is challenging, of course. Yeah. But do you think it's easier to in the, in that team project than, than by yourself? or? So yeah, I think the ideal number is probably two to three uh, for most venture capital type of investors in terms mm -hmm. of like founding members of a company. Uh, that's why a lot of the accelerator programs um, are looking for teams of two, sometimes three. Um, hardly there's investment in um, uh, one-man shops. Uh, and similarly, if you have seven people each hold an equal share, that would also be problematic. Um, so I guess, I guess in that sense, I'm still trying to find my sweet spot. Yeah. Okay. And uh, up to now, uh, what went very smoothly? What you didn't expect? Mm. Um, it really depends on the people you meet. Mm. Um, so for um, Grass, the infused water brand I'm working on, mm -hmm. it was the moment I met somebody from the equipment manufacturer, equipment manufacturing brand for uh, HPV machine. HPP, HPP machine. So HPP stands for high pressure pasteurization. Mm -hmm. um, it's a technique that can pasteurize uh, mainly fruit juices, but also other things like uh, hummus, for instance, uh, without using additives. Mm. And so one of my key propositions is that it's 100% freshly made without additives. And I tried boiling cucumber water, but it doesn't taste good. Let me tell you that. Oh, it's, so, it's yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really not good. But with HPP, it worked well. And suddenly the 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 shelf life was up to one or two months. So I was very happy with that. And the um, the equipment manufacturer actually introduced me to a tolling center that did the first work for free to um, a kitchen. In this case, was still in Singapore when I was doing some work there. 
Mm. Um, and um, and they helped me with a few introductions. Um, similarly, the manufacturer that I'm working with here in Hong Kong right now, it was uh, introduced by a beverage consultant who I just hit up on LinkedIn. And, uh, and she was willing to have a coffee with me, uh, former buyer of uh, 7-Eleven and a couple of other uh, big brands like Pratt. Um, and she said, oh, you're looking for somebody with an HPP machine in Hong Kong. Yeah, I, I do have a contact. Maybe I can help you. And so that's the manufacturer I'm talking to right now. Um, and then with the, with the app startup, actually, the guys I'm working with right now, I only met them half a year ago. Yeah. And uh, it was by chance a friend uh, was having a coffee. Uh, I was actually meeting a friend for coffee in uh, Blend, Blend and Grind around the corner. Uh, and suddenly this friend of hers walked by and we started chatting. I got his number and uh, two weeks later we were talking about business. Um, and just the fact that he was, um, he still is <laughs> a very sociable person who had picked the right team together. Yeah. That really convinced me to take the next step. So if I'd say chance encounters is very, yeah. very important, but yeah. also to proactively uh, build out your network because otherwise you don't if you don't meet anyone this will never happen yeah yeah so you were open but also the people yeah. you've met and they are willing to give you some guidance and share information and and contacts with you yeah uh, which is very important because like the lady who introduced you to manufacturer it, it's already that manufacturer is more reliable because of her referral than if you would have contacted him directly without any reference yeah yeah that's great so um yeah so uh how is it so you're from the netherlands and uh you're starting your uh, your business now in hong kong how is that yeah. to to start a business which already quite challenging enough but also to be in a location where you're yeah. you're not from well okay first let me comment on starting a business in the netherlands because uh, mm. i do know people who've done that as well and there's also some hurdles even if it's your own culture uh, sometimes regulatory hurdles. Uh, in fact, uh, my my sister was set has set up uh, the first rum distillery in the Netherlands uh, only recently, but before the stuff with um, the the Aanemer, we called the construction uh, company that was supposed to build the office was done uh, before all the permits to actually run a distillery uh, somewhere in a city area were were over. Uh, that took at least a year or more than that. So I guess even within the Netherlands, there would be certain hurdles that you have to overcome, which may not be cultural, but can be very specific to the place where you want to do something. Yep. Um, so for me, it was slightly different because I studied Chinese. I'd lived a few years in China already. Um, so I felt I was relatively close to the market. And now having lived in Hong Kong for four and a half years, I also understand the city quite well. That said, mm -hmm. uh, you still notice that it is a it's a varied place right it's a city with seven million people but you can't expect um to know every every segment um, the expats are, are like a very specific segment within the city um but then again if you go to new territories there are like major differences between uh, how people live in, in yunlong versus or like kowloon um, so even there, you couldn't say like, oh, this is the expat um, uh, population of Hong Kong, which is like, what, 1%, 2%, not a lot, at least. And here's the rest. No, the rest is also very diverse. Um, so I guess to some extent, I'm still finding my way um, there because the marketing um, techniques and the tone of voice um, that you would need to 
have to address these segments is very, very different most of the time. Sure, it's a different language, English versus Cantonese, but also if you're looking at, say, okay, I want to do Cantonese ads, well, uh, maybe you can tell me a bit more about this because you do speak Cantonese. You do see how different uh, segments of the Hong Kong market would be targeted differently. So even if you feel very close to the market, you need to really yeah. be in it to understand it. Yeah, yeah. Cultural differences are not to be underestimated for sure. Yeah, in in every aspect of life, I think I'm still learning even so. Okay, so um, yeah, what about the future? Where do you see yourself in the, in the ten years? Um, good question. Um, ten years from now. Um, if it's depending on businesses, it's very hard to say what will come out of the ventures that I have right now. Um, partially because there are so many external factors that contribute to success or failure. I feel it's hard to say if one particular idea is going to succeed. Uh, but I am a strong believer that you most of the time get something out of the business that you already put in the energy the conviction um, but sometimes what i've seen with friends who are also entrepreneurs uh, suddenly their business takes a completely different turn or one goes bust and then suddenly they get in touch with somebody who wants to do something similar but better um, so the devil's really always in the details and if it doesn't work out the first time you have to start and do it a second time um, so I guess uh, overall, I'm quite bullish on the future, Yeah. but I, I don't think it's a, it's a linear type of progress. I think it will come with ups and downs. And yeah, I guess from the other entrepreneurs that you're speaking with and who you know, uh, that would be a similar story. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I also think that um, uh, you were saying that you've been dealing with this for two years. It's quite intense years as well, right? So if I'm saying, how, where do you see yourself in 10 years is maybe what some people will accomplish in 20 years if you yeah. keep on doing what you're doing right now and uh, i think it's a really uh, changing learning situation so yeah no doubt whatever will happen with your venture you're learning so much and the drive is already there so if one venture is not taking off as you like you hope for mm -hmm. you will take that experience into another one so it's just then a matter of Maybe different team, different product, different audience. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, if you once started this path to be an entrepreneur, yeah. I think it's almost impossible to redirect into a more uh, corporate career. Are you no, agree with actually, that? Uh, no, I think okay. both can be definitely be done at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see a reason why somebody couldn't work full-time on a job and still have some time to spend, especially if you work with an outsourced model, for instance, yes, in the beginning of it, you need to be in touch with all parts of the business, but then uh, say, say a year down the line, two years down the line, depending on how things go, you, you can rely more and more on the parties you outsource things to the people you hire. Um, so I do think that it can definitely be combined. Um, like, so you would not be surprised if 10 years from now you would have a corporate job and your I business on the side. I would be surprised if I have a corporate job in a few months from now because okay. there, there, are, there are definitely benefits in uh, terms of learning, uh, professional development, um, income as well. If you think about the revenue that you have to turn in order to make enough net profit in order right. to make your, your former salary, 
I think a lot of people will be thinking twice about becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah. And if there's a way to combine these two, it's even better. But then the downside is it's all about how much time and energy you 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 put into it. Yeah. So I mean, a day yes. just only has twenty four hours. That's uh, right. That's, that's my concern. Exactly. Here. And uh, that's also why for two years there wasn't much happening because I was uh, very full time on a job. Yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it sort of comes and goes. But uh, when you have the opportunity, I'm I firmly believe that it becoming an entrepreneur can give you a much higher return than just working for a salary and doing the same old thing. First of all, because it's interesting, you're adding value, um, developing something new. Uh, I think that's just a, a joy by itself. For me, a great hobby. Yeah. Um, but also in terms of um, the, the wealth that you are creating, um, especially the last few years. So with writers like Thomas Piketty and his argument, the rise of wealth, or in Dutch, Boek van Tomgroei, might be familiar, is um, how salaries have pretty much stayed behind with the growth of uh, GDP. Um, and so anybody who knows uh, someone who bought a house in Amsterdam 10 years ago, they might have yeah. made 100,000 euros just by sitting on their yeah. ass. Yeah. So um, running a company or starting a company is not like sitting on your ass, but it is definitely a way to increase your wealth beyond what's possible with a salary. Yeah. So that's sort of a third argument, I guess. To not have a corporate career, basically. Yeah. <laughs> To, to also do other things. Yeah, okay. Now, I'm very curious what will happen. So, uh, last but not least, where can people find you and your products? Um, I guess LinkedIn. Just search my name. Yeah. Uh, Ruben de B. Um, if you're interested in grass, go to grass-infusedwater.com. Um, let me know if you want to see some samples. If you're in Hong Kong, it'll be easier to arrange. Um, yeah, okay. that's about it. Great. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for sharing your experience here and uh, wishing you a lot of luck with your uh, launch. Thanks, Joy. Hey, hi, Madelon. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey, Joy. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm also uh, very well, and I'm very excited about our interview where you're going to share your startup journey with us. So uh, let's start and tell us about your business. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Well, in June, I launched my plant design company, Plenty, in Hong Kong. And what we do is that we empower commercial spaces such as restaurants, stores, and especially offices to integrate curated plant design in their indoor spaces. And what we actually do is that we offer um, monthly subscriptions in which com company lease the plants. So we do three things. One is the plant design. So we create like a customized curated plant, a plant design. Uh, second is the implementation. And third is that we take care of our plant designs after the installation. Um, and why I did this is because of plenty of reasons. Um, <laughs> as you might know, we are more and more living in concrete cities. So at the mm -hmm. moment, 80% of the world population is living in the city, which is like amazing to me. Um, and in Hong Kong, it's even 99.7%. So almost 
everyone is living in the city here. Mm-hmm. And when I moved here in December last year, I was so happy to be surrounded with like the nature uh, Hong Kong is offering. So I was able to go for a swim in the sea or go for a hike uh, just five minutes from my home. And it feels like a great escape from the busy city life. However, mm-hmm. when I visited some offices and other indoor spaces, I was so surprised by the lack of natural elements in the office. So we are living in one of the most green um, cities in the world after Singapore, mm-hmm. I think. But nature is really lacking in our indoor spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I read an article about the World Health Organization, I was even more shocked because Hong Kong has one of the lowest scores in the world when it comes to uh, the well-being of our people. So that wow. means that, yeah, it's... it's um, Impressive, right? Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah. Um, But maybe not surprisingly that they are not really happy and healthy uh, because we have demanding jobs, high cost Mm -hmm. of living and Mm -hmm. air and noise pollution we experience. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking... Small spaces. And really small spaces, exactly. So Mm -hmm. there are like many reasons uh, we can come up with why people are not that happy and healthy. Um, And I was thinking like, okay, what can I do to um, solve this problem or partly solve this problem? Mm -hmm. Well, I have a background in the plant industry in the Netherlands. uh, And I know that plants have health beneficial uh, effects. Uh, And together with my experience from the plant industry and the knowledge about plants, it was a no-brainer to me to start Plenty in Hong Kong. So that's actually the story, like how I started Plenty and for what reasons. Wow, yeah, what a positive message. And um, also a great name, really. uh, Plenty is like uh, two things in in one, really brilliant. Indeed. Okay, Yeah. yeah. So and now you 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 started it you launched it so uh, yeah you became an entrepreneur so who inspired you to do this Yeah or good what? question um I think it's not like about one person but it's about the, the plant and flower industry uh, like I just told you, I'm from the Netherlands and I used to work for many years uh, for the Dutch flower auction, which is Royal Flora Holland. Mm-hmm. And uh, in different roles I had and still have uh, the privilege to work in the heart of this global plant industry. And mm-hmm. um, I work with like renowned plant innovators such as breeders, growers, but also startups. And Mm -hmm. these startups, uh, they looked at the world in a different perspective and they learned me about the positive effects of plants, like proven Mm -hmm. positive effects on your mind and um, body. Uh, But they also uh, taught me uh, about how can you look at plants in a different way? How can you use them in a different way? And that was inspiration to me to, together with with the other reasons I just mentioned, like the challenges we have in Hong Kong, uh, Mm -hmm. there was a reason to me to uh, start Plenty. Yeah. And to become the entrepreneur, actually. Yeah. 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 And to use it as a creative, um, in a creative way, but to do it your way. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And until now, what did you learn from it? Well, I think what I learned before I started Plenty is that we lost connection with nature in the crowded concrete cities we live in. 
although it's it's super nice to to live in a city where there's a lot of dynamics and things happening um i think because we are nature uh we unconsciously need this in our daily lives so what i learned is that we should really reconnect with nature because there are so many benefits uh to so many aspects of our lives to to have this in our lives um so that's that's mainly what i learned from it yeah yeah and i think that especially in hong kong it's uh really needed, like you're saying already, that they score so low on the well-being uh, ladder. But yeah, it's not so weird if you step into uh, traditional Hong Kong offices. Exactly. There's a lot of improvement um, opportunities there. Yeah, I've, I agree with you. And uh, what I learned like from my journey uh, with Plenty is that it's really a latent need. So mm-hmm. if I tell the story about the positive effects of plants, then people are like, yeah, sure. I need to have more plants in my life to become more productive, to have a better mood, to be more creative. Um, mm-hmm. But that's why we really have to share the story about like why you should have nature in your indoor spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you started your your company. Um, What went very smoothly, which you did not expect? Well, um, when I started my business, I was only six months uh, living in uh, Hong Kong. So Mm -hmm. uh, my network was not really extensive yet, but I think what went very smoothly is the help of the network I already had. Like the international network in in Hong Kong, but also my local network. Um, What I found like impressive and and great is that everyone was was open to support my mission and to help Mm -hmm. me further and to share their network and expertise with me. So Mm -hmm. um, that, that was, was really helpful because yeah, if you don't, if you're new in the city, don't know a lot of people yet, you, you should ask for help as well. So, yeah. Yeah. That is also indeed what I was wondering, uh, how it is to be a businesswoman to start your company in a place where you did not grow up. I mean, there are, cultural language barriers um yeah you don't know how customers are or what they expect and uh, also completely different legal framework so i was already indeed uh, wondering how it is so you had a lot of uh, benefit from a good functioning network Mm -hmm. what else did you had to um, deal with being non-local and only been here six months yeah, well, I think, um, first of all, I love challenges. So I'm, I'm really open to new adventures and to, um, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I love challenges. Um, but I, I think uh, what is really important, if you're in a new place, in a new city, you should do a little bit of research uh, about, like, how is the legal system working? Um, uh, what do you have to arrange before starting up your business? And you mm-hmm. should have like a strategy. If you don't have a strategy, uh, I, I believe you will um, uh, you will not reach the goals you uh, have in mind and the dream you have in mind. So uh, that's really important. And I think you should be open um, for asking help. So that is what I did. If I didn't know how to incorporate my business, I was first searching online. Of course, we used our friend Google. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I also ask other uh, entrepreneurs um, in my network, like, hey, how did you do this? And how does it work to open a bank account? And because like everyone is um, able to speak English, it's so much easier because before I lived in Shanghai, well, mm-hmm. then it's um, needed to speak Mandarin. Uh, but if mm-hmm. you can speak English, it's so much uh, more easy. And also from a government point of view, I think they are transparent on what you need in, in uh, having a business or setting up a business. Um, yeah. So that makes it really easy to me. And I think if you if you ask for help, um, it will be fine. I, I don't think it was hard to set up a business. I think it mm-hmm. was easy in Hong Kong and Hong Kong is also a city that makes it easy to set up a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I didn't experience any, uh, any trouble with like starting up my business here. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. Okay. That sounds all uh, very smoothly and positive, but is there anything that was harder than you thought? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's not all that easy. Um, yeah, well, I think what was harder um, was really on the sourcing side. So, of course, I I have a global network in in plant suppliers uh, and, and and plant tool suppliers like uh, planters, plant pots. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was hard to find good suppliers for um, building materials and and for creating custom made planters. Um, mm. And of course, I know in China, there are so many suppliers, but then you have to speak Mandarin or you have to have the network. So mm-hmm. um, uh, that was that was tough. Um, but if you um, use your network, for example, in, in furniture suppliers in Hong Kong, they, of course, work with these kind of parties. So mm. uh, and you have to use your network to to find the other network uh, on the sourcing side. Yeah. Okay. Clear. Yeah. And how about fundraising and budgeting? Anything you can share about that? Yeah. Sure. I think for now uh, I use bootstrapping, so we use our own revenue to to grow further. Uh, mm-hmm. At the moment, we hire two interns, so that will help to to grow plenty as a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to have a team again, but in, um, in the future, we are, uh, for sure, um, uh, asking for investment because without investment, you cannot grow as fast as you, uh, plan to. So at the moment we are creating a plan on what we want to ask, uh, and, and what, what the investors will get in return. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds very exciting. You're um, combining your uh, past experience and, uh, your knowledge and uh, with a with, uh, necessity you see here in the market and, and try to really benefit um, people living here in their lives. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds exciting and very promising. And what do you expect in the, in the future? Where will you and your business be in 10 years? Yeah, what I really hope is that, and what I really want to achieve here is that plants will be a commodity. So it's like mm. a primary need in our daily lives. It's not a latent need anymore. It's really something, um, it, it will be a part of the design of every new space we build or we redesign the, the space. Um, so I think in 10 years, plenty will be more of a plant architectural company that designs uh, spaces and, and plants that come in the spaces. 
And mm -hmm. I think we will do that in, in at least in Asian countries. Um, and maybe like we will be a global com uh, company. Uh, but let's see, first start here where we have lots to do. And also yeah. in, in other Asian countries like Japan, China. Um, and uh, then I think we already... Um, uh, we are already six years further in mm. the future. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, that sounds really great. Yeah, and, and so far, you um, when you transformed the uh, offices, uh, how, uh, what kind of reaction do you, do you receive normally? Yeah, I think that uh, the before and after uh, impression is really important to companies. Um, they already liked their office before, but if you install the plans, they're like, yeah, this was so obvious we had to do this. Uh, so I only get positive uh, reactions. Uh, mm -hmm. And that really, um, uh, that's really about the latent need I just told you about. Like the latent need is there, but you have to tell people, you have to show them. It's of course, like plants are beautifying the space. So you have to yeah. visualize, visualize how it will look like after the implementation. So that is why we always uh, create pictures of before and after so companies can see like, okay, this is how it will look like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That too. Yeah. That, that sounds also, uh, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, so, and they, what, um, sorry, can I add something? Um, what they also really like is is the maintenance part because it's it's oh, yeah, it's yeah. a real expertise to care for plants. Um, yeah, so so they they say like, oh Madeline, we are really happy that you take care of the plants because now we can just enjoy the plants um, and you will make sure they they will stay green and healthy. Yeah, exactly. When you once you have your beautiful office with all these plants, and you don't have to worry about keeping uh, those plants alive, which not everyone has a good talent for, I think. <laughs> no, but everyone can learn. So I'm happy to yeah, to sure. learn people and um, take them uh, along uh, our uh, maintenance journey. Okay. Yeah. So if people are interested, where can they find information about you and your product? Yeah, sure. I have a website, so it's plenty.life. It's P-L-N-T-Y dot L-E-F-E. -E. Um, and I've, I'm, of course, happy to offer free consultation uh, for any company that has an indoor space and just want to ha have a chat on like how, what they can do with plants um, mm -hmm. or what they can do like with corporate well-being. Um, so yeah, just, uh, contact me via the website and, um, we, we can talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Especially in these times, I mean, people are spending more uh, indoors now with the COVID of course. So, uh, yeah, I can imagine that there's real need for your, um, for your yeah products and services basically. Yes. Um, yeah. So Madelon, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your experience until now. And I wish you a lot of luck and, um, yeah, and uh, a lot of uh, uh, improvement of the well-being here in the city. Thank you, Joy, and uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, hope to see you soon. Okay, see you thank soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> hey, hi, Camille. Great to have you here. How are you today?
I'm good, good, good. Uh, thank you for having me, Choice. It's a very exciting thing uh, to be doing, and it's always fun to chat with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm. I can't wait to hear about uh, your business. So, tell us about it. What? When? Where? Uh, sure. Um, so, uh, I'm Camille, and I'm the founder of Campfire Crates, and I'm also a mom of two multicultural boys. Um, and I moved to Hong Kong about six years ago uh, to work with National Geographic. And in that time, I became pregnant with my son, uh, my my older son. And um, I want, I really wanted to make sure that he would be connected to his Filipino roots. And so I went in search of resources to help me teach him, and you know, um, uh, about about his heritage. And I found that there weren't very many out there that were, you know, of good quality or all in one place. And so I thought, you know, why don't I just take my experience in working in documentaries and in broadcasting all this time uh, to make content to... Uh, um, so I was thinking, why don't I take my experience and, you know, create some of mm -hmm. my own? And mm -hmm. so I, you know, recruited a couple of other multicultural moms, uh, fellow multicultural moms who had backgrounds in educational development and um, uh, childhood development and uh, marketing. And we created Campfire Crates. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, uh, something, it's a company that we hope is a convenient and consistent and um, community-driven way to help build your child's cultural identity. And mm -hmm. so we're currently doing this through subscription boxes that are um, that we have stories and activities that the whole family can do and enjoy together. And yeah, yeah so really our hope is that, you know, you know, like a campfire, that it becomes a, a gathering place uh, where families can come together and pass on art, ideas and knowledge um, from one generation to the next. Okay. So, yeah. So you usually also choose... Uh, what kind of uh, theme is in the box, right? Because yeah, the the, the child is of a certain cultural um, heritage, so you want a box to also fit in that. Is that correct? Yeah, um, we do. Uh, but uh, as you can see, that there's a lot of um, different um, there's a, there's a lot of cultures to cover, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so pretty Although much. It's also actually very nice for the child to learn about different cultures as well, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we what we wanted to do was kind of represent multicultural families like ours, which were, you know, specific, specifically cultures of color, or maybe, you know, you would say are, are the more underrepresented cultures. Because um, I think there are a lot of other, you know, cultures there that already have a lot of um, resources for themselves. Um, and I think, you know, there are a lot of these smaller cultures Um, that are not yeah. being properly represented. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. it kind of that's what we're that's what we're focusing on. And you know, it's of course I'm Fili I'm Filipino, and and that's pretty much what <laughs> one of the main things that I wanted to do, um, which is why we also. But you you make a good point about you know like kids also learning from learning about other cultures is also really important in uh, with with what's going on in the world today. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and it's know, getting more and more important, right? So, yeah, it's really on topic. And being able to, yeah, and being able to understand other people 
and uh, where they come from. So our current line is about, uh, it, it's called Celebrate Crates. Um, so we pick uh, holidays um, that mm-hmm. happen around the world. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and we tell the story through the eyes of um, a child who comes from that heritage. And um, so we make sure that, you know, to make this as authentic as possible, we work with uh people we call spark guides. So they're basically mm-hmm. cultural ambassadors of, you know, they, they, they are from that heritage. They practice that uh, holiday. So they help give us um, not just kind of the, the hallmark reasons of, okay, this is why we celebrate this holiday, mm-hmm. um, but more of what, what does it mean to them in their culture? Yeah. What does it, you know, um, represent for themselves? So I think this was a really, like for me, a, a from a personal journey and speaking to, to these people that, you know, I, these are holidays that come through the calendar and I've lived in outside of the Philippines uh, for, for a long time now. And, and I've, I've been in cultures that would celebrate like Diwali or a mid autumn festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never, you know, they were just days on the, on the calendar for me. And then yeah. through the practice of what we're doing and, and working with our spark guys, they're like, Oh, I didn't realize that you know the moon, uh, the mooncake festival or mid autumn mm. festival is not just about mooncakes. It's actually mm-hmm. about family reunions, yeah, and yeah, 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 and yeah. the moon represents the you know the, the togetherness, the you know the circle. There's all of these symbolisms, and this is why it's so special uh, to people in Hong Kong. And yeah. and coming from you know, like even if I've lived in Hong Kong for six years, these were things that I never quite realized. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, so I feel yeah, really yeah. privileged now. And, and I really enjoyed celebrating it this year with my kids yeah, 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 because yeah. it has so much more meaning. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's more authentic and the spirit of the holiday is, yeah, giving it real meaning mm-hmm. and not just the commercial side of it, which is getting way more exposure, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that sounds uh, exciting. Um, yeah, you, you're mentioning that uh, you uh, got together with other mothers. Are you cooperating together or is it uh, house house or is it your own business? So um, it's it's my own business, um, but mm-hmm. I do consider them my co-founders. Uh, they are currently working on, uh, on it on a part-time basis. I'm the only one working on it uh, full-time. Um, yeah, the the idea. Uh, I mean, if we dialed back, the this was you know a, a, it started as a passion project, mostly specifically for um, uh, for Filipino to make Filipino resources, mm-hmm. and um, it was only when I, you know, kind of was at a crossroads. And I was thinking, you know, I, I took a four year parental leave uh, from from my last job, and I was yeah. at a crossroads, and I was thinking okay, am I going to, uh, you know, go back to broadcasting or should I take this little passion project that I have and the ideas to create, you know, content for, uh, for Filipino, um, resources, uh, and push that through and make it into an, an actual company. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, so, uh, they, so we, it, it started off like, um, as, as something called finding Filipino which was just like oh. a blog that we were oh, okay. yeah. we were putting together. Um, and so this was something that, you know, me and, me and my two other friends were just dabbling, you know, just, you know, like 
let's, what if we, you know, write about this or what if we do that? And, um, so, I mean, that's how it started. And then it only formalized into a company, into Campfire Crates, uh, when I took it through the Founders Institute, um, which is the pre-seed accelerator program. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that was very, very helpful because I was like, I had zero background in business. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I couldn't tell my, you know, my gross profit from my, you know, net mm-hmm. profit. And, um, and you know, what, what, what does it take to, to build a company in the first place? Because I, I, I came for broadcasting. I had no clue. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so like going through that course was just like, you know, it helped formalize it all. And, and I think it built, it really gave me um, or the, the business um, good like a good structure to start off yeah. with. And um, so that was, I think, quite key in, in, in yeah, my yeah, journey yeah. And, and building building this. I mean, we I don't know. I mean, we're, we're like a year old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but well, it, no, no. it sounds like you, because my next question is, what, what did you learn from it? But it sounds like you've been on an amazing journey for the past year. When you're when um, when you put it that way, yes. <laughs> but but throughout the year, it it was it, it pretty much felt like you know you were wading through mud and going through. Oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, okay. Wow. Yeah. So one problem after another, and it's okay. So it was really challenging. Oh yes, and, and you're pretty much doing it on your own and learning yeah, as yeah, you go, and and I felt like. Coming into it, I thought it was going to be so different, such a different mm. experience um, from like my previous life. But I yeah. realize now that so much of what I loved about producing and directing documentaries mm-hmm. is is exactly what you need to be uh, an entrepreneur and in a startup. And I think it was one of our mentors uh, in in Founder Institute that was saying. You know, if you don't like solving problems, mm-hmm. you know, don't mm. be an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, like a lot of producing work is, is about solving problems. It's finding, you know, seeing the big picture and the, the details and mm-hmm. and being able to, you know, think on your feet. And so much of the entrepreneur journey is, is exactly like that. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, actually your previous job really helped you to get the right skills for this. I had no idea it would, yeah. but yes, actually <laughs> it, it did. It's you know, finding the right people for the right job and you know, working with teams of people. It's yeah. 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 So, okay. So if I would ask you what was harder than you thought, then it, it's that you have to solve problems ongoing and, and basically by yourself. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. It's, you know, it's a, it's learn, it's a learning process every day and there's a lot of balls to juggle. And if, you know, if, if you're in a startup and you're on your own, you're pretty much wearing every hat in a company. Yeah. And and I think that's, that's the hardest part. I think, you know, it's, it's also a mental game that I would say that that was one of the hardest things is, you know, not, is, is learning ways to not be overwhelmed by it all. 
Yeah. Because okay, you're wearing so many hats, you're yeah. juggling so many balls, you have to keep yeah. so many plates up in the air. Yeah. Um, and you're like, so what am I going to focus on today? So that was another key thing that I really had to learn was, okay, how learning coping strategies to be able to say, get, you know, to, 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 to be able to get things done mm-hmm. and not drown in the overwhelming things that you have to get done in a day because you know it's it yeah, so what, yeah. you know what Priority, am I going to focus on today yeah yeah, yeah that, no that that sounds indeed challenging yeah yeah and, and but what was something that went very smoothly which you didn't expect nothing <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I really wow. don't think there is such a thing as smooth in yeah. a, in okay. a in a startup. <laughs> yeah, okay, but but I also think that if you once you're on this passion route, right, that you made the choice to do something that you really like, that it also is a kind of positive attraction to things and circumstances. So any of those, you know maybe? what? Yeah. Well, now that you put it that way, yes, that is that mm. is true. Um, I wouldn't like I would say there were like little things that were very surprising and mm. worked out. Mm. I, uh, you know, I think a lot of it was just meeting the right people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, like like these moms that you're talking about and teamed up with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. you know. When you and tell, then the Founders Institute program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And meeting people, uh, you know, like would, that would uh, help you with marketing or be able to, you know, put the word out there. So, yeah. So I think maybe like, you know, something that went smooth for me was probably the fact that when I would tell people the idea, they were very much interested in it and they got it right away and they wanted to help. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. Wow. Yeah. So people reaching out and um, trying to, yeah, just to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Or, yeah, you know, right? even things like this, being able to talk to you like this, you know. <laughs> yeah. I heard that one before. So people are more helpful than we would expect, maybe, if you don't start a new adventure yeah but what about the financial part of it uh the fundraising and budgeting was that challenging as well um for so we made a very conscious uh decision to not um take on investments so we're currently bootstrapping so we Mm -hmm. are doing personal investments into it so we are um make uh, we we're we're making sure that we we keep the overheads low yeah, and um, so we're only developing what we can afford at the moment, and using uh, using to learn that uh, using that as a learning uh, to be able to learn from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That um, sounds good. And uh, and how is it to be a businesswoman and starting a company in a place where you did not grow up? So in your situation, you got advantage from it because you see a need in this society that is not fulfilled uh, just because of your different uh, cultural background. But yeah, still, you have to build up your network and you have to find out the whole framework. How did you experience that? 
you know, if if I hadn't done the course, I would say that I, you know, it would have been an impossible task oh, because okay. I didn't know where to start or who to talk to. Yeah. Um, but being able to do a course or um, or something similar to that uh, was very helpful because I think one of the key things that you need um, in a startup is your network is being able to know who to talk to and also having the guts to talk to that person and um, and, and having the right framework for it. Uh, um, I think it, it was definitely a, a bigger challenge not having that network um, here. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's why having that kind of the formal course helped a lot. So I, I, I don't think it would have been like, I didn't think I had a tough experience, but mm-hmm. without it, I, I wouldn't have built the company in the first place because it was just too daunting a task. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's a really good um, tip, basically, the, to yeah tap into a kind of acceleration program or a local kind of network to um, get started. Okay, so but it was yeah. Also, I, but from a... But from a bis, like uh, for in in developing the business, because we do a lot of, we have to do a lot of sourcing. So I mm. I have to find printers. Oh, yeah. I have to find yeah. places yeah. to to get all of these things. So all of that was just trial and error. And yeah. I know that if if I could speak uh, Cantonese, I would probably find places that would give me better pricing. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so that's still a huge challenge for me. Is yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm only using that. what I know. And then it's, but it's, it's a lot of it is that, is that though, right? You have to try and then you find the right place or something, you know, it, it'll, it, you just have to keep doing it and then just find things better and better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, keep on improving the small things as, as you go. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. So I was um, actually trying to, to, to see if there's such a thing as an agent <laughs> that, that that I could use, especially since I know like, so printing in China and, and, you know, and um, sourcing from China would, mm-hmm. would be a lot better um, for, for my things. But, you know, there, there's huge language barrier there and it's a very big place. You don't, I wouldn't even know where to start. So yeah, it, open then yeah if you to see um, for some sourcing yeah agents uh, yeah. yeah so i would say like the language barrier or you know the lack of network didn't stop me from doing what i need to do but i yeah. know that i could be doing it so much better if i did have um you know the language and the network advantages yeah yeah yeah, which is funny because so many people have that, but they don't have the idea. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe and that's what, a business idea. You could you know, find somebody to, <laughs> to be an agent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. And what about the future? Where will you and your business be in 10 years? Wow. <laughs> be ambitious. Oh, I mean, we, I would love to be a, a proper content company, um, you know, take, have a bit to be a multi-platform company and have audio, video, books. Um, oh, yeah. Any, any other, any kind of content that you can think of that represents multiple 
uh, cultures, you know, and 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 uh, the cultures of color. Mm. That would be the ultimate dream is is to have yeah. that library of um, of of uh, children's materials, so that they, you know, the you you can learn from other cultures, so you can learn more about yourselves, and really have that um, ability to touch kids' lives and help, you know, inspire them and spark their curiosity about themselves and yeah. uh, the world around yeah, them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's such a positive contribution to the world. Yeah. So yeah, definitely supporting you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Great. And, and uh, how can the people reach out to you? How, where they can, where can they find your products? So we, um, so we're available online uh, and we ship worldwide. Uh, mm. Just come and find us at uh, campfirecrates.com. Okay. Okay. And um, okay. So, and yeah, it's all running and so they can right away actually order your products already. Yeah, absolutely. So they are available as one-offs or if you want um, the, the, the boxes to come every month, then you can just uh, get a subscription and forget about oh. it and then you will it will show up at your doorstep just in time for that holiday and oh, yeah and you it's just a fun way to be able to bring um the the traditions alive yeah this sounds great thank you so much for sharing your um, experience with us i wish you a lot of luck with your uh, with your company and i will definitely take a look myself Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. It's always such a fun, fun time to be able to talk to you. Say likewise. Okay. Thank you. Bye, Camille. Bye. So, and that's it. I hope you enjoyed the interview with these passionate, hardworking and brave entrepreneurs who were so willing to share their journey with us. Um, thank you for listening and please reach out to me if you have any suggestion or topic that I can use in this show. Thank you. 